a phone or anything you can follow the passage on, I'd ask you to please do that so you can follow along in John chapter 1, the second half of John 1, as we look at those words together. Let me pray before we do. Lord God, this is your word and it invites us to come and look closer at Jesus. So we pray indeed that we would be willing to do that today. Speak to us by your spirit, through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Saturday night, my wife Louise and I got invited uh, invited to dinner at our friend's favourite North Melbourne pub. Now, I didn't bring my clicker. I need it. And if we got our slides ready to go, can someone run the clicker up to me? Sorry. There's the actual invitation on the screen. Don't know if you can read that. Uh, that's the invitation as it came. Uh, Favourite North Melbourne pub, which had been closed for renovations, now it was open again. Uh, so our friend Deb invited us, and it didn't take us very long to say yes. And look, it was a great night. Uh, The food was terrific. Inviting is easy. Inviting is something we do all the time, isn't it? If we've found something good, if we've got a friend, if we want to make a friend, it's something that comes naturally. Here's how it works. I've found something good. How about you come with me and see for yourself? Inviting is easy. Except, it seems, when it comes to what we Christians have come to call evangelism, which is a word that's picked up all kinds of awkward baggage. But it really is all about just inviting friends to come and see and follow Jesus with us. Which you will notice from our passage is the kind of inviting that's been going on right since the first two followers of Jesus realised they were onto something good and invited their friends to come and have a look with them. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not following Jesus already, I don't want you to go home in any doubt. And it's not actually awkward. This is a church that's keen for you to take the invitation seriously to join us in having a look at Jesus. Come and follow Jesus with us. If you're here as a visitor, we're not ordering you. We're not hatching a plan to set up a a Christian caliphate, you know, and order you so you've got no choice. Not trying to brainwash you or manipulate you to sign up for a sect. We're not trying to get your money. Not trying to sell you something like a timeshare holiday in Queensland. Not trying to get you to switch your health insurance. We keep getting phone calls like that. We're just friends saying to friends, hey, I have found that following Jesus so far is really good. I don't know all the answers, but so far I've found some of them, so why not come and have a look with me? It's a bit of a blocker, I think, for some of us who are Christians, in that often we don't do that sort of inviting because we think we have to be experts. You know, we think we have to be someone who knows all the answers. While if we're honest, we've also got plenty of questions ourselves. What you'll see in our passage this morning 
is there is this very simple three-word invitation that anyone can use, even an absolute beginner. So let's watch it playing out again in our Bible passage from John chapter 1. Because at verse 35, you'll notice at this point, Jesus has got no followers at all. This is square one. John the Baptist at this point is the hottest ticket in town. John the Baptist is drawing huge crowds. And yet it seems that John has constantly been talking up Jesus instead of himself. He's at Bethany on the far side of the Jordan River. He's already been saying to the crowd, there's, there's someone here who's going to be way bigger than I am. Someone who's going to wash you not just with water but with the Holy Spirit. There is someone here that is so important that I'm not even worthy to kneel down and tie up the shoelaces on his sneakers. It's kind of a nice image, isn't it, when you think about it? I... I I admit, I really like it when I go to a shoe shop and I'm trying on new shoes and the shoe salesperson does that. And if you've ever had it happen, they get really, really good at it. It feels like you're really being served when they get down and do up the shoelaces on the new shoes. John says, I am not even worthy to do that for this guy. The very next day, away from all the crowds, John sees Jesus walking towards him and he says to two of his own followers who are with him, look, here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that in itself I think is a single sentence summary of just about everything you need to know about the Christian message. It's a message that runs all the way through John's gospel right to the end. Uh, This is the one who's going to take the place of the Jewish Passover sacrifice. This is the one who will take on himself the punishment for sin, take away the sin of the world. At which point, did you notice, John's two disciples turn around and leave him and follow Jesus instead. Jesus sees them. He says to them, what do you want? And they say, verse 37, teacher, where are you staying? Can we come to your place? To which Jesus replies with an invitation, come and you will see. Now, the funny thing is those words, they're kind of loaded because they're not just going to see the spare room in the Airbnb where Jesus has left his backpack. By the time we get to verse 50, they're going to see way more than that. They're actually going to see that Jesus himself is like the connection point between heaven and earth, between God and man. Come, and as the story unfolds, you will see that. But at this point, off they go. It's four in the afternoon, and they spend the rest of the day with Jesus. Come and see. Although Andrew you'll notice on the way, runs off to find his brother Simon Peter and invites him to come along as well. In fact, verse 41 says it's the first thing he does. He's been following Jesus five minutes and already he's inviting someone else. Read the words in verse 41 if you've got it in front of you because I want to put it to you. Here's what is going to become the simple 
New Testament model of inviting, which we have turned into this awkward thing called evangelism. Look at the words. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus to have a look. Can't help himself. We've found something. We've found the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Now again, you notice at this point Andrew is not a Jesus expert. Heck, he's hardly spent 10 minutes with him. Hasn't had any training, hasn't done the course, hasn't got all the answers. But he knows enough to know that Jesus is worth a look and he wants his brother to be part of it as well. Now remember, Jesus has said, come and see. And it's interesting, if you have a look at the whole passage, the ideas of looking and seeing comes up 13 times in those 16 verses. And the interesting thing is that even before Simon can get a good look at Jesus, Jesus has already looked at him and flips the script. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Kephas, which when translated is Peter, which when translated again means the rock. Not, okay, not to be confused with Duane, but the same idea because the other Gospels explain that he is the substantial guy that Jesus is going to build his church upon as the first apostolic leader. Which is interesting because he's only there in the first place because his brother Andrew invites him at this point to come and see what they have found. Now, from verse 43, we step forward today and you'll notice very similar things happen all over again. It's kind of like a rerun. First step, Jesus calls Philip. He says, follow me, and he does. And the next thing you know, Philip, verse 45, finds Nathanael and tells him. We've found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one the prophets wrote about. It's Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Now, just to show you that this inviting thing isn't always easy and smooth, straight away from Nathaniel, there's pushback. Did you notice that? Kind of like, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this living in Melbourne, but this Jesus is from Sydney. How can that work? How, how can anything good come from north of the border? That's Nathaniel, sceptical, underwhelmed. He is unmoved by Philip's enthusiasm. Jesus of Nazareth, that dumb little town. How can anything good come from there? To which Philip, do you notice, says exactly the words Jesus said back in 39. And again, the classic invitation for a sceptical friend. Look at what Philip says. And again, you don't have to be an expert Christian to say it. This is day one of following Jesus. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip simply says, here's the invitation. Come and see. You can hardly see that. That's ironic because it's pale blue on white. But there you go. There are the words. Come and see. And he does. And his life's turned upside down. As Jesus says to him, and again a rerun, 
It's not just that you've come to see me, it is that I saw you. And the reality is there's more to see. Because when you get to know me, says Jesus, the sky's the limit. Jesus says to Nathaniel, you know, I like your integrity. Behold an Israelite indeed in who there's no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Jesus says, mate, I already know everything about you. Which leaves Nathaniel astonished. But Jesus says there is plenty more. Look what he says. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Which he then expands in a strange way that you won't really understand unless you know the story of Jacob from Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob has a really weird dream. Jacob sees a stairway into heaven. It's like a ladder. He has a dream, he says, in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending, coming up and going down this ladder, the connection point between heaven. And and when he wakes up, Jacob goes, wow, this, this place really is the gateway into heaven. This is the earth and heaven connection point. Now what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel is, if you do come and see, That's where you'll come to. And you will realise that the stairway to heaven is me. That the true link point between God and man is not a ladder or a golden staircase. It's me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on me. Turns out the ladder to heaven is me. So come and you will see. Come and see and you'll find, first of all, that Jesus has already seen you as you are and you'll see ultimately that Jesus is the way to make sense of everything and be reconciled to God. Now look, it is tempting to say inviting, Jesus, uh, inviting people to, to follow Jesus like that sounds easy, I know. And, and in the Australian culture particularly, I know it's harder and harder. It's awkward. And Nathan's, Nathaniel's scepticism, it's nothing compared to the sort of withering looks you're going to get from your sister or your neighbour or other students at uni or your team leader at work. And yet I want to say it is still a simple invitation worth offering and one we've got to keep holding out to people relationally and authentically, openly to our friends. It's far more likely to work in the context of relationship, the context where you've built up trust. If I'd got a random text message inviting me to dinner at the pub, I would have said no. It's from a trusted friend. Come and see. Andrew goes to his brother. Philip goes to his friend. But, you know, maybe you attempted to say this will never work. If you've been a Christian a while, so used to being on the defensive, so used to being on the back foot, so conditioned by negative media and mocking friends, that you think even by saying, come and see, nobody ever will. So many knockbacks, maybe you've already given up. Convinced maybe that no one ever again 
he's going to hear that invitation and say yes. No one ever again is going to decide to follow Jesus. Is that what you think? Imagine a world like that, a generation from now. No Christianity, no Jesus. A world with nobody confident of their own forgiveness, no one to take away their sin. No forgiveness to offer to anybody else. It's more and more anger. Everybody either living in secret fear of judgment or even worse, living as if there's no judgment at all and you can do what you like and just make sure you get even with anyone who hurts you. Imagine a world with no right or wrong, no rules except you do you and love is love and stop global warming worshipping nothing bigger than yourself, just saying and doing whatever you like as long as it's green enough. Now, I'm not knocking looking after the planet. I'm just saying what if that was all? The only imperative. Imagine a world like that. No Christians gathering week by week to encourage one another, no midweek small groups, just you on your own, the only Christian on the planet because nobody ever bothered to say, come and see anymore. We never get around to inviting anyone else to follow Jesus with us. Never prepared to say, come and see to anybody because deep down we're afraid in our hearts no one will say yes and there'll never be another disciple of Jesus in our lifetime or beyond. Now, I don't know about you, to me that's a pretty dark picture. And yet, I've got a feeling that if you are someone who's been following Jesus for a while yourself, even just a little while, somewhere beyond the awkwardness, you'd love the chance to be an Andrew or a Philip, or at the very least love to be part of a church family that's inviting people to come and see and follow Jesus. I I reckon ICC, and especially this part of ICC, is great for that because this is a place where as you come week by week, you'll hear clearly about Jesus and you'll see firsthand what it looks like to follow him. So all you need to do is say to your friends, come and see. I know people say church is weird, and yet, you know, even across the laneway at our traditional Scots morning services, I could tell you about another guy named Andrew who came along last year because he loves classical music and now, week by week, he's been grappling with the claims of Jesus as he hears from God's word. He said to me, I told my brother I'm thinking of becoming a Christian the other day and he laughed at me. But he said, that's okay. Or another guy, Ashley, who works next door in the Westpac building and decided a few weeks ago, he's an atheist, but he decided there's got to be something more to life than atheism offers. So he brought himself along to church to find out. Nobody even invited him or said, come and see. There are people like that everywhere just waiting for a friend to offer them an invitation, not waiting for you to be an expert, Just waiting for you to say, come and see. Now, just as a final word to everybody, if you are a regular part of the church here on a Sunday morning, 
Can I encourage you to be ready to welcome people who do come and see? A friend of mine shared a quote with me a while back, and it's very relevant. Hospitality. That's what you've got to be ready with. Hospitality means treating someone like they belong before they belong, until they belong. Isn't that how you should be looking to treat everyone who comes along to ICC every time? Because we just love to have loads of people inviting their friends to follow Jesus with us. Like Andrew and Philip. Just say, come and see. And then make sure they find a welcome when they do. Let me pray. Uh, Lord God.